From the studios of Teeing It Up in the swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up, uh, presents Danny Flecka in his weekly spot to preview the AFC and NFC Championship weekends. It is January 29th or 30th, I believe, one of those two dates, uh, 2022 on a Saturday. Danny, I purposely was fast with you at the start because I don't know if you've seen this. This has come out in the last five minutes. ESPN's Adam Schefter and Jeff Darlington reporting that Tom Brady is retiring. If this is the first you've heard about it, your initial thoughts. I just saw it before I came on with you, and I'm surprised, to be honest. I thought that maybe he'd give it one more year. Um, clearly, he, he might think that Tampa reached the ceiling last year. Uh, and that there might not be another ceiling to, you know, to push through with them. Uh, to me, it, it maybe speaks more about the situation that he's in than maybe his willingness to play. Uh, he probably doesn't feel like starting all over again. He understands that another year might not allow him to achieve his goals and be in a competitive um, situation that he wants to be in. You know, we kind of saw things become increasingly more difficult for that Tampa team as the year went on. Um, I don't think the Antonio Brown situation helped either. And, you know, with all the injuries that that team had to deal with, you know, he probably saw the writing on the wall that maybe next year would be a little bit more difficult for them to compete at a level that he felt met his desire. And given his age, it's time to, to hang things up. So I'm surprised. I thought that maybe... Tampa would, you know, move anything around to, to make it more appealing for him to stay. Doesn't sound like he wants to give them the opportunity. So he's going to hang him up. And, you know, he earned the right a long, long time ago to, to make this call whatever he felt like. So, uh, you know, hey, we'll look back on his career definitely in the next couple of weeks and, and you know, highlight all of his achievements. But I think this it's probably more about the situation he could find himself in next year rather than maybe his desire to continue playing. It's interesting because there's that. And then there's also something Tony Romo brought up yesterday while appearing on CBS Mornings to preview the AFC Championship game. He was asked about Brady and he said, I think this might be the time. Because if he wins, if he were to have won that game and won the Super Bowl, he then would be trying to attain something that he hadn't done yet, which is three in a row instead of back-to-back. And suddenly, he's got nothing more to do. And then you piece that with what you're saying with this roster, with the way Tampa's season's going, where the way that, you know, his offensive coordinator could be leaving for a head coaching position. And it would make sense then that if, if there's nothing left to do, if there's nothing he wants to do, then just hang him up. Yeah, I think, I don't know if I necessarily understand or agree maybe with like the three in a row, et cetera. Like, I don't know if that was necessarily like a driving, it would be a driving factor for him. Um, going out on top is definitely a way to go out if you were able to do that. Yep. But I do think that camp the, the, the year got progressively more difficult for that team as it went on. The injury didn't help. The sideshow of Antonio Brown didn't help, and and maybe he just you know with Byron left, which like you said, probably leaving. 
you know, maybe he was a bump between him and Arians. I don't think, despite what might be said by Arians or by him, that they necessarily had the best relationship. And that's saying something because he left New England because of that. So I think it, it's it's more about the situation and maybe his desire. He probably doesn't want to start all over again either. Yeah. We'll be very interesting to see uh, how this progresses over the next couple of days. Danny Flecko with us here on Teeing It Up. All right, we, we go now to these championship games off of what was an unbelievable AFC uh, divisional weekend. And you get Cincinnati and Joe Burrow in the biggest spot of his career, maybe. We'll get to that in a second. Against Patrick, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs off that, you know, hold on to your seats job that he orchestrated with 13 seconds left to somehow get that game in overtime and then get the win. Joe Burrow has been saying for a while, and I forget who it was, somebody pointed out that he said a quote that some um, SEC venues were not as loud as Arrowhead, and he may want to take that back because it could be Bolton board material. But he has shown poise, and he showed it in the Week 17 meeting uh, um, with, uh, you know, versus these same Chiefs. That, you know, he's got a knack for coming through in a big moment. And maybe that is because of what he did at um, LSU. I think on paper, the more talented team is Kansas City. But I have no idea how Joe Burrow is going to react. And I think if it's positive for Cincinnati, they can win this game. Yeah, I think that comment Joe Burrow made is a little naive. He's never played in a situation or a game like he's going to be playing in tomorrow. Um, I get it, the SEC is what it is, but not every SEC stadium or every SEC game is going to create that type of environment. So um, he, he also was on a team that was very historic, that found that every game that they went into was basically the, the biggest game of, of that week or of that year. So I, I, I take it with a grain of salt. It's very similar to maybe like the Jamar Chase comments, you know, earlier this year. Um, I, I, it's a tough, it's a tough game for them. I don't like their prospects, to be honest, at all tomorrow. What do you think? So let me flip it then. What's the formula that where Kansas City? Slips. Is it Mahomes turnovers? Is it the defense giving up a thousand yards like they did last week? Is it, you know, somebody getting hurt? What's the formula where Kansas City loses this? Yeah, so I, I did a deep dive into this game because I wanted to understand a little bit about, you know, the betting perspective and which side I wanted to go on. Um, and I looked at some of the, you know, very superficial stats, but, you know, sometimes it's all you really need to understand what you're getting yourself into. Uh, and we've talked about this number, uh, a number of times on this podcast, too. So, looking at Cincinnati, in total, um, they've been two for five in the red zone for TDs in the last um, three games, in the last two games. They were outgained by the Raiders, and they created two turnovers in that Raiders game. Uh, they, out, they were outgained by Tennessee, and they had one touchdown drive against Tennessee despite forcing three turnovers. And they allowed nine sacks. And in total in those games, they're 12 for 27 on third down. So to me, again, Cincinnati has been very inefficient when they've had the ball. They've had very fortunate turnover luck. They have um, 
not been able to catch those turnovers and touchdowns. They've had stalled drives. Uh, we mentioned it yesterday, last week, you know, if I were Joe Burrow and, um, and Cincinnati, I, we wanted to throw the ball 40 to 50 times. They did, but he got sacked nine times, um, which led to a lot of inefficiency. But in, in general, I wasn't really, you know, over the moon with their game plan. You know, they made some big plays when they had to. Um, Jamar Chase made some big plays uh, in that game, but overall, you know, I wouldn't come away with that game thinking that Kansas, I mean, that Cincinnati was was humming on offense. You look at Kansas City on the other side, they scored 42 points per game in the playoffs. They've averaged 515 yards in those games, 16 of 35 on third down, and 33 minutes of time of possession in those games. The, the, the key here, I think, is simple. Cincinnati wants to stay in this game. They have to score touchdowns, and they have to force turnovers. The scoring touchdown part might come a little bit easier in this game just because, you know, Kansas City's defense seems to have sort of reverted a little bit more towards what they were earlier in the year. Um, but they also have to stop Kansas City and force turnovers, which I don't see happening. I, I don't think Mahomes is going to throw interceptions like maybe he was earlier in this year. They figured out things offensively that they, they like and what works for them. And Cincinnati's defense, you know, have played – two of the more conservative offenses in the NFL in the playoffs in Tennessee and uh, Las Vegas. Now you're going up against an offense that's creative, explosive, um, has one of the best play, play callers in, in the NFL on the sideline, and the best quarterback in the NFL on the sideline. Um, so Cincinnati needs to find a way to force turnovers and be more efficient. If they're not, and we'll find out early, and I know people will be like, okay, well, Cincinnati came back against them earlier in the year, don't think that Kansas City doesn't know that, and don't think that it could, you know, lightning will strike twice either. I think if Kansas City gets out to an early lead, and, you know, it's like 10 nothing, 10-3, and Kansas City has has the ball, you know, that's where the game is going to be decided, in my opinion, because them going down 10 to 14 points early is going to be a really big hill to climb. That this is why I have Danny Fleck on this podcast. That was fantastic insight, Danny. Thank you. Uh, that really is a deep dive, and it does look like a steep hill to climb for Cincinnati and, and Joe Burrow. And and they kicked way too many field goals last week. Uh, one, one, I'm one thousand percent with you on that. They got to score six, and not three. Now we go to San Francisco, Los Angeles, and I don't know if you heard Joe Buck. Um, in any of the forums he was, or, or Troy Aikman as, as he's promoting this new light beer um, the, these past couple weeks. But he noted that in week 18, when they had that game, uh, San Francisco, LA round two, when they had that game, there were so many San Francisco fans that had gone to SoFi that Matt Stafford had, had to use silent count late in the game and that Jimmy Garoppolo was able to operate as if he was at home. He thinks, uh, Joe Buck thinks it was 55-45 in favor of San Francisco. Um, he had never seen anything like it in a visiting stadium for a, uh, for a game of that importance. Now it's the NFC Championship game. They, the, the Rams tried to restrict ticket purchases to only Southern California zip codes. That didn't work. They were not able to do that. Then they were able to open it up to the rest of California. 
I truly believe that one of the X factors in this game is where the game is being played. Is it, is it being put in the Rams SoFi Stadium or is it being in the new version of Levi's Stadium? Yeah, I think it's a pathetic showing by the Rams in general to do that. Um, it's one of the big issues when they moved there, what people talked about was like there's no really built up sports fan base there. It's a Laker town, um, and football is, you know, there's just too much to go on to do in Los Angeles that football isn't necessarily top of mind. Maybe we'll see a different uh, crowd this game, uh, but, you know, this is what you get when you have, you know, close, uh, close proximity teams, a more devout fan base in San Francisco that can travel to these games, and a newer fan base in L.A., I don't know if the crowd's going to make a difference in this game one way or the other. Uh, I think if I am the Rams, I'd be more concerned about why I've gotten my butt kicked by them the last six times <laughs> I played them and their familiarity with San Francisco. Yeah. What about who's sitting in the stands? Um, as you look at this game, we saw Debo Samuel um, hobble off the field very late in that game against uh, Green Bay on the game-winning drive. Uh, he seems good to go. Are you concerned at all about his health coming into tomorrow since he is such an X factor for the 49ers being able to be used as both a running back and a receiver? It's definitely something to monitor as the game goes on. If I'm San Francisco, though, I'm more concerned about Trent Williams than I am about Debo at this point. Mm. I think during the game will happen, and then you take care of it you know, as it comes through. But I think I'd be a little bit more concerned about what the status of Trent Williams and what you're going to be able to get out of him than I would be about, you know, what, where Debo Samuel is right now. When you look at this game from a Los Angeles perspective, we've seen the major impact Cam Akers has had since coming back from this Achilles. It's amazing what he's doing. Um, as you analyze this game, uh, where do you see this all falling and and is this a situation where cam's going to be a really important piece for for not only um you know winning the game but also time of possession to keep san francisco off the field yeah cam Akers is interesting because of his fumble situation that he's coming out of yep. um last game I, late I, in that game yeah I, I think it might be a little bit too much for him in the sense that you know he's still figuring out you know where his body is what his ability is, what his endurance is. I think we see a little bit more Sony Michelle, which obviously takes a little bit of the explosiveness away from that game, I mean, from that running attack. This game, to me, comes down to the defensive line. In San Francisco, you have an athletic front four. They're going to look to create issues. I think that the L.A. Ram offensive line, we saw a little bit of it last week, wore uh, down a little bit, I think, after... Uh, going up, they're not built, I think, to run the ball 40 to 50 times a game, which, you know, seems like a lot, and it is a lot, but in the games they were in last week, that's really the kind of game plan that they needed to execute, and they weren't able to. It looked like McVay was scared to call passing plays as they got, the, the bigger of a lead they got, the more conservative he, he became, and it, it's clear that the Rams aren't built to, you know, play in front of the sticks in a sense. Like, they're not built to run, you know, on three straight downs. They have to play their their game. On the other side of the ball, we saw the Rams' defensive line own Tampa Bay early in that game. 
But as the game wore on, they became overwhelmed. You know, Tampa Bay started to get some things going on the running in the running game, and that opened up then eventually, you know, more time for Brady as he was able to make some big plays for them. So if the Rams can keep the 49ers in obvious passing situations, I think it's a great advantage for them. Otherwise, I think what will happen is that San Francisco is going to wear down that defensive line because while they have some big names there, you know, Von Miller's a great pass rusher, Leonard Floyd's a great pass rusher, Aaron Donald's a great pass rusher, they probably don't want to be blocked in the run game, you know, 35 times um, and get double-teamed and smacked around. So San Francisco can control that line of scrimmage keep the game within, you know, third and three, third and five in that area, even if it is a passing down for them, it's more, it's a higher percentage type of pass that Jimmy has to make. I think they're going to be able to take advantage of that. And they're going to utilize the middle of the field. I think Greg Kittle is going to have a big game. I'd also look for, for guys like Brandon Ayuk and, and Jawan Jennings who weren't really utilized last week. Due to the weather and the game plan I think they had in place, I think they've become bigger factors as well. So, I think it's all about the upfront side of things. Yes, we have some great individual skill players that are going to be playing in this game, but it's going to be one in the trenches. And I think that's why San Francisco has overwhelmed them in the last couple of games because they just wear them out. And eventually, you know, that leads to, to mistakes on both sides of the ball. Yeah, and that's where fumbles uh, weigh big time on both sides. By the way, Tom Brady's uh, company, TB12, uh, has uh, congratulated him on a great career. So uh, that appears to be the first official announcement. While every other network is confirming it, uh, now Tom Brady's business arm uh, is has confirmed that he is indeed retiring after 22 years. Yeah, that, that press release was written by him. <laughs> Probably seven rings, uh, five MVPs, through uh, uh, three league MVPs, sorry, five Super Bowl MVPs, three league MVPs, 22 incredible seasons. Thank you for it all, Tom Brady. Um, so, yeah, you, you got that one right. Um, two quick things here to, to, to wrap up. We saw kickers have a major impact last week. Are kickers going to have a major impact this week, or is this week not going to be as tight as last week was? I think it's going to be an, uh, a, a factor in the second game, in the L.A. game, in the San Fran game. I think the, the Kansas City-Cincinnati game, as we saw last week, um, it's going to be a little more wide open. Again, I think Cincinnati is going to have to be a little more aggressive on offense. They can't settle for three points. Um, you know, and, and I get the whole analytics side of things, but again, if they're down, they need to be more aggressive. And I think in general they have to be aggressive against Kansas City in order to make that a game and for them to stay in it. So I think from a kicking perspective, you know, that game is going to be more one along, you know, more more one with offense than it is going to be special teams. I'm not saying special teams isn't important, but you can't, I don't know if they're going to win a game if they kick the, kick the ball five times through the uprights. Um, San Francisco and L.A., I think it's going to be a little more important. You know, we saw Matt Gay miss a kick last week. He was a little bit banged up. You know, how's yeah. the situation, you know, on his end? And, you know, is L.A. going to be able to kick those longer-range field goals if they find themselves in those situations? So I think it's going to be a little bit more important in the second game than it is the first game. The winners of these two games and the teams going to the Super Bowl are? I, I'm on Kansas City um, in the first game. I've, I've gone against you both times when you brought up San Francisco, and I've looked 
of the genius in those spots. Um, I'm going to stay with San Francisco. I know it's hard to beat a team three times. And I think San Francisco, again, I think I've made this comment a couple of times now, they adjust very well, um, you know, in these situations. Again, we've seen Kyle Shanahan, though, the last three weeks, or last two games, and we have, you know, obviously a couple of other games where he's made some weird choices in the later stages of the game. Um, But I just like the way San Francisco's adjusted in all the games they've played the toughness they show and, you know, their familiarity with beating this type of team. You know, the pressure here, again, is on L.A. Can they get over the hump? Can they get this monkey off their back? And, you know, I think San Francisco just has a little bit more grit in them than maybe L.A. does in this spot. So I'm going to go with Kansas City and San Fran. I I am going to go Kansas City, L.A., so I'm against you again, and you'll probably look like a genius next week. Um Danny Flecka, thank you, as always, for coming on Teeing It Up. No problem, my man. Have a good rest of the weekend. You got it. Same to you. Same to everybody else out there.